All right, Zechariah chapter 10. It's hard to believe we're already to this final night. I really can't believe it. And uh, it's been a precious time. It really has. I, uh, as I mentioned on Sunday, I'm grateful for conferences like this when someone else is preaching because it then it means that I get to hear someone else preach. And I have been ministered to this week, as I know we all have, as Brother Miles has uh, preached. Uh, been refreshing, hasn't it? And uh, just that uh, he's uh, uh, just that real deal. And the story of the revival, that's the second time I've heard him tell that. But oh, my heart was stirred, uh, even more so this second time around. And uh, so it's been a blessing. My son uh, John has enjoyed hearing him as well. It's been a delight to be back here at LifeGate Bible Baptist Church. Uh, this church is uh, very special. There's not too many churches where I come to uh, them this much. <laughs> and so uh, hopefully you're not sick of me. I'm not sick of you. But uh, uh, at any rate, uh, it's, a, uh, it's a precious joy. And it's always a deep blessing to spend time uh, with uh, my dear friends Dave and Valerie O'Gorman. Uh, Dave O'Gorman is really the, uh, uh, a true friend. One of the truest friends, really the truest friend I have. Uh, and he has been a deep blessing to me over these years. Always a help when we're together and uh, we interact uh, uh, as well on the phone and so forth. And uh, been a blessing to me in m more ways than I can enumerate tonight. Uh, but it's been a privilege to be back here and uh, to see what the Lord is doing. And I believe the Lord's been meeting with us. Uh, the sense of God's presence last night. Don't ever forget that. Uh, God was here. And uh, we felt his presence. And so... Uh, I always rejoice when that is the case. Well, let's jump uh, into the message tonight, Zechariah chapter 10. Uh, on Sunday morning, we looked at the idea that the clock is ticking. And we're going to go to a prophetical passage tonight that would tie into that with some challenge, I trust, and responsibility uh, to us. And so we look at this amazing uh, uh, chapter. Chapters 9 and 10 are dealing with both the first and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And right in the middle of all that, we have Zechariah 10 and verse 1. Where the Lord says, Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. I want to speak tonight in this first section of our service on the promised rain. Shall we pray? Oh, Lord, I pray that you would just again breathe on us tonight. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, thank you for service by service. Uh, uh, Lord, uh, your, your graciousness, Lord, to, uh, to meet with us as we gather together. Now, Lord, we recognize once again that if we meet without you, we're wasting our time. But, oh, Lord, would you breathe on us tonight. Spirit of God, would you descend upon our hearts and I pray that you'd give life to the truth that is before us. Give us understanding. Give us understanding of how this fits into the time period that you have providentially allowed us to live in. And may we be excited and thrilled by it, uh, but challenged by it as well. And so I plead the blood once again, protect us from the enemy. May we not be deluded tonight. May we not get uh, uh, off course in any way. And uh, Lord, I plead that you would just help us tonight. And use the truth, Lord, to bring us into real faith for what you desire to do in these last days. And so, Lord Jesus, I claim our position in you at the throne far above the enemy. And in your name, through your blood, I exercise your authority over the powers of darkness that would seek to hinder. And trust you that that not be allowed. Oh, Lord, would you meet with us once again now and in the message to follow. We thank you for it. May we go away rejoicing in you. In Jesus' name, amen. A number of years ago, 
there was a drought that hit the Midwest of the United States. And uh, during that time period, I had a number of meetings in some of those states. And uh, the state of Illinois, outside of Chicago, is an agricultural state. The state of Iowa, and uh, so on. And uh, uh, the cornfields, and uh, uh, so uh, very much a part of the American agriculture. And during that time, they, uh, uh, they were in desperate need of rain. And it was getting very, very serious. And I was in a town that was, uh, it was a farming town. And I was there in a church for a revival meeting. And I remember this couple, this older couple, this gentleman and his wife sitting there. And I knew they were farmers. And I don't know how many acres they had, but this, is, uh, this was their living. This was their livelihood. And I, uh, I went up to them and began to talk to them about the, uh, the need for rain and the whole situation with the drought. And I was asking them about it. And I will never forget the earnest, intense, desperate response as they indicated, we need rain. Now friends, that was true in the physical realm, but it's just as true in the spiritual realm. Now in our Old Testament, there are four words in the Hebrew language that are translated rain. Three of them are in our text tonight. That's fascinating. There's the ordinary word for rain. That uh, uh, when it's just talking about rain, uh, any rain, uh, there's that uh, just ordinary word. And then there's a word that means the early rain. Uh, Sometimes it's translated the former rain. Then there's a word that's translated the latter rain. And then there's a word that means a torrential rain, a deluge, a copious rain. Now in the land of Israel... There is an interesting aspect to all of this in their climate. From May to September, they have their dry season, where it is very dry, very hot, and almost uninterruptedly cloudless. Can you imagine? Can the Irish get that in their imagination? (laughs) An uninterruptedly cloudless sky. And that's the way it is from May to September. Then in October, sometimes early November, but usually October, they have what they call the early rain, where this rain comes through, and it prepares the soil for plowing and then planting. And uh, then in November, all the way through February, they have their rainy season, where there are intermittent rains. And then when you get into March... They have the need for the latter rain. And it usually comes in March, sometimes early uh, uh, April. But it is a a shower that comes that's more than just a light shower. It is a heavy shower that comes at the end, this latter rain. And it is indispensable for the full ripening of the grain. Now, in the Bible, the physical pictures the spiritual And there are those today that take some of these Bible words like latter rain and they attach ideas to them perhaps outside of what God says about it. But we should not overreact to that. We need to know what God says about it and what God says about it we must embrace. And I want us to see tonight that we must ask in faith for the promised rain until it comes. Why? Two reasons tonight in the time that we have. First of all, God challenges us 
to ask. Now, if God himself is challenging us to ask for this promised rain, there ought to be a rise of faith in our hearts. You see, that's divine initiation. That's what it takes for us to ever exercise faith. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So we will never exercise our will in a true uh, choice of faith unless God first works. And so faith is always a response, but it is a response ability. That is, you can either resist it in unbelief, or you can respond in faith. And God here is challenging us to ask, and so we must rise in faith. Uh, now, in the first part of the verse, uh, just not, let's just notice the words that are given here. First of all, it says ask. That reveals a responsibility of faith to ask this response to the divine initiation. Asking, of course, is an expression of dependence upon the one that you're asking. So it is a step of faith. It's not the only step of faith, but it is a key step of faith when it comes to promises. And I noted this this morning, but promises must be obtained. In Hebrews 11.33, it tells us that these individuals in the Bible, ladies and men, it says, who through faith obtained promises, indicating that promises are never automatic. They must be obtained, and the first step of faith in obtaining a promise is asking. Different than what we saw two nights ago with Galatians 2.20, with the facts, like Christ is living in us. You don't have to ask for that. It's already happening, but you've got to take it by faith so that you can act on it. In this case, it's a promise. It's a shall be. We see the word shall right in our text. This is a promise. And when it comes to a promise, we begin by asking. Now, we see the responsibility of asking in a number of ways. It's a matter of instruction in Ezekiel. I mentioned Ezekiel 36 through 39 on Sunday. In Ezekiel chapter 36, God says, I will do this for my people. That's a promise. There's that word will. I will do this for my people. And he lists the number of promises. I will do this, and I will do this, and I will do this. And then, at the end of it, in verse 37, God says, I will yet, for this, be inquired of to do it for them. Fascinating. So he's letting us know, look, here's what I want to do because he gives the promise. I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. But it's not automatic. It's not fatalistic. It's not inevitable. He says, I'm not going to do it until you ask. That's an important lesson. I had a friend tell me that uh, they had a situation where they came into some money and so they wrote to all, this church did, and they they wrote to all their missionaries and said, uh, uh, tell us what you need. They said they got very little response. Unbelievable. And they could have asked for thousands. <laughs> and they didn't. And so they didn't get because they didn't ask. And so it's a tremendous lesson for us to learn. We see the example of this in Daniel. I mentioned this in a previous service. But when Daniel saw the promise written in Jeremiah that at the end of the 70 year captivity, God said, I will visit you and I'll bring you back. He didn't just hop on the next camel and make his way back to Jerusalem. <laughs> He fasted and he prayed and he asked God to do what he promised. And so that's the challenge that we see here in Zechariah. This is not just a promise, which through other portions of Scripture we know we need to ask for it. In this case, God himself right in the text preceding the promise tells us to ask for it. Ask ye of the Lord reign in the time of the latter reign. So there's a specific challenge to ask. But notice the next two words. 
or the next several words, ask ye of the Lord. You see, beyond the responsibility of faith, there's the object of faith. It's God. That means there's hope. <laughs> ask ye of the Lord. Jeremiah 14.22 says, Are there any among the vanities of the Gentiles that can cause rain? Vanities referring to idols. Or can the heavens, just nature itself, give showers? Art not thou he, O Lord our God? Therefore we will wait upon thee, for thou hast made all these things. Now, in our text, look at the contrast in verse 2. For the idols have spoken vanity, and the diviners have seen a lie. They're faking it. And have told false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore they went their way as a flock. They were troubled because there was no shepherd. And then verse 3 says, Mine anger was kindled against these leaders. In other words, the leaders of God's people were telling them, Hey, everything's okay. When they should have said, Get on your face and ask God for the rain we need. And today there's often a false comfort given by leaders in the religious realm saying everything's okay when it's not. And God's anger is kindled against that kind of leadership because it's leading people to trust in lies. When we're told in verse 1 to trust in God, then notice it says, Ask ye of the Lord rain. So beyond this responsibility of faith and this object of faith, we see the purpose of the faith. You're asking for rain. Now, of the, of the four words for rain, this is the ordinary word. It is used in the Bible, both in a physical sense and in a spiritual sense. It's used physically in Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 9, Deuteronomy 28, where God says, if you'll love me and be devoted to me and not go to idols, I'll give you rain. So you have good crops and your needs will be met. It was connected to their spiritual devotion to the Lord, but it was a promise of physical rain. However, there are other passages where the same word is used in a spiritual sense. How about Ezekiel 34, 16? Showers of blessing. You know, that song we sing is based on that verse, and that came out of Ezekiel. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> this rich uh, truth right there in that book. Showers, and that's the word that means a torrential rain. <laughs> Deluge of blessing, showers of blessing, torrential rain. How about Isaiah 44, verse 3, where God says, For I will pour water on him that is thirsty. I will pour floods upon the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit. So there the water is just picturing uh, the spirit, the spiritual rain. How about Hosea 10 and verse 12? Seek the Lord until He comes and rains righteousness upon you. Wouldn't you like to be in that rainstorm? That's the picture. And the inspired text has given it to us. That He comes and He rains righteousness. It's one of the great revival texts in our Old Testament. And uh, uh, we see it used this way in other passages. But let me keep moving. When you come to the latter rain, it's also used sometimes in a physical sense and sometimes in a spiritual sense. Uh, physically, it's used in a number of passages. I won't detail those. Spiritually, it's used, for example, in Hosea 6.3, where it tells us that when you follow the Lord, He, God, shall come to us as the rain, as the latter and former rain. That's obviously a spiritual sense. 
In Joel chapter 2, verse 23, uh, there is a reference both to physical, uh, picturing the spiritual. Then, of course, we have our text here. And uh, looking at the context, it does seem that the primary reference is to literal physical showers, and yet in the context, there's a blending of the temporal with the spiritual, so that the one simply becomes uh, the symbol of the other. So that regardless of the physical interpretation, the text itself gives us the right then to apply it spiritually. More could be said, but I want to get to this next delineation. Ask ye of the Lord reign, now here's the phrase, in the time of the latter reign. There's a lot of promises in the Bible that are general, they're universal, they cross a lot of boundaries, they, uh, uh, they cross a lot of time periods. But there are certain promises that are very specific even as to chronological time, like the Jeremiah 29, the 70 year captivity. But here's one of those promises. It says, ask ye of the Lord reign. Now, in the time or the season of the latter reign. What's that talking about? Obviously, the picture in the physical realm is that in a, a year of harvest, you've got that uh, uh, after the dry season, you have the early rain that prepares the soil. Then you have the rainy season after they plant and the, everything begins to grow. And then you've got to have that latter rain to just ripen it so that you can bring in the harvest. Now, friends, obviously you could think in terms of seasons of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And in that sense, you would have an early rain, you'd have the intermittent rains, and you'd have a latter rain. But think about the whole of Scripture and what God does with Israel. And then as they reject the Messiah at the first coming, which is mentioned in chapter 9, and then it goes on and starts talking about the second coming, you've got a gap in between those comings. We call it the church age. We call it sometimes the age of the Spirit, who we already saw in other passages is likened to the water. And in that sense, there are preachers who believe, and I think they're right, that there is a sense in which the entire church age, or the entire age of the Spirit, is the bigger picture. So that the early reign was Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, and the Spirit came in mighty power. And uh, you have that, that, uh, that season there that just launched the early church. Then you have 2,000 years of the rainy season. And church history is full of accounts of great awakenings and revivals and God sending rain, sometimes here, sometimes there. And uh, as I mentioned, I've got a bibliography that mentions 6,000 entries of various revivals, tremendous, rich uh, history of revival. But you know, Jesus, as he came the first time, he is coming the second time. And... Uh, would it not make sense then that there would be the latter rain to bring in the full harvest before he comes? Second Peter 3.9, God delays his coming, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so there is this need then for this, this rain, this latter rain, before the rapture, to bring in as many souls as possible. And we see this in the heart of God. You remember when God was going to judge Nineveh? 
And he sent that prophet named Jonah. <laughs> and there's all sorts of details to that story. But what's fascinating is God allowed those in that wicked city who had a heart to respond to God to have a chance to respond to God. God prefers to deliver rather than to judge. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and so... Judgment is going to fall, but it's in the heart of God before it does to give that opportunity. And so we need a season of rain. Now regardless of whether or not you take it in the whole age or just in seasons, the point is we need the rain. We need the rain. But what if there is this legitimate application of the whole church age? then we do need to ask ourselves, are we that generation that lives in the time of the latter rain? And based on what we saw Sunday, looking at 1948 and 1967 and the clock kicking in, and Luke 21 telling us that there is a generation that's going to see all that uh, somewhere between 70 and 100 years, then the fact is, if that is the case, then we would be in that time, which means we have a responsibility more than any other generation that has ever lived to obey this verse. <laughs> to ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. And so there is this reality to Israel physically, but we can apply it spiritually. And friends, hallelujah, we can ask God for rain in the time of the latter rain. So the first reason to do that is because God himself challenges us to do so. The second reason is that God promises to answer. Because it then says, So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the fields. Now, two thoughts. Notice the worker. So the Lord. <laughs> shall make, and it goes on. The Lord, you see, when you ask, God says you receive. Why? Because he's the one who does it. And we're asking him who has promised to bestow this particular promise. And there are, of course, many other promises where we see that. But then notice the specific work. So the Lord shall make bright Clouds. The first promise is the sign or the harbinger that rain is coming, and that's lightning. You know how it is when you see a storm coming through, um, especially in some of the, what they call the central plain states of the United States, uh, where it's dry and flat, and, and then off on the western horizon you see a line of clouds coming, and it's just ripped up with all these streaks of lightning. <laughs> Letting you know, hey, rain is coming. Jeremiah 10, 13, lightnings with rain. Psalm 137, uh, 135, verse 7, he maketh lightnings for the rain. But then it says, he doesn't just promise lightning. It then says, and shall give showers of rain. This is that word, deluge. Now in this verse, it says, ask ye the Lord rain. There's the ordinary word. In the time of the latter rain, okay, there's that word that refers to that last rain before you harvest. But then the promise is more than the latter rain. It's the deluge. That's who God is. To give abundantly above what we could ask or think. So the Lord shall make lightning, bright clouds, and give them 
showers of rain, that deluge of rain, that a that torrential rain, that copious rain that just inundates everything, the blessing abundantly above. And notice the blessing is individualized in the last phrase, to everyone, grass or vegetation, or their needs met. To everyone, vegetation, grass in the fields, the individualized blessing. Now, some could get real studious and say, well, you know, Old Testament, Israel, I know you can say interpretation, application, whatever, whatever. Boy, it sure would be nice, though, if we had something in the New Testament that would just kind of drive this point home. And we do. And I'll end with this, and I think it would help if you actually looked at it. If you turn to James chapter 5, we have an amazing passage of Scripture. James chapter 5. A New Testament passage that opens our understanding. James 5, verse 7 and 8 says, Be patient, therefore, brethren... Unto the coming of the Lord. Now remember in Zechariah 9 and 10, it talks about the first coming and the second coming. Okay, so here's a phrase dealing with the second coming. Be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman or farmer waiteth, waits for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. There it is. So verse 8 says, this is James 5, verse 8, Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Now notice, at the beginning of verse 7, and at the end of verse 8, it talks about the coming of the Lord. And the picture is, he waits. He's the great farmer, and he waits for all the rain to come in, so that he can bring in the greatest harvest possible. And when it says, establish your hearts, that word is used in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, in that passage that talks about Aaron and her holding up the arms of Moses so that the rod of God was held high so they could have victory over Amalek. It is a beautiful picture of intercession, which we've been dealing with much in these days. And so there it is. Intercede. Establish your hearts. Intercede. Why? This is vital. There are people who will miss out on this blessing unless they have the rain. And so our responsibility is to ask in faith for the promised rain until it comes. And let me encourage you to apply this both individually, which we've talked about when we dealt with lost arts, and corporately, which Brother Miles dealt with in those two sessions in the mornings. Let's ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. And there ought be, it's helpful if we have a prayer rhythm. Individually, it could be daily. You need to obey the Holy Spirit on this. It could be weekly. Obviously, in the corporate meetings, that could be weekly. It could be monthly. The point is, he says, ask. And he promises, I will answer. So we must ask in faith for the promised rain until it comes. Lord, I pray that you'll take the simple and yet amazing truth of the promised rain to that point in our hearts where we see that you've said if we'll ask, you'll give it. And so Lord, convince us. And may we be among those who ask for this rain in this time of the latter rain. 
We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.